0: The MTB Movie Awards are a systemic anomaly inherent to the programming of the Matrix.
1: Although the transport process has altered your consciousness, you irrevocably remain human. Ergo, concordantly, vis-a-vis. You know what? I have no idea what the hell I'm saying. I just thought it would make me sound cool. You haven't answered my question. I'm feeling a little vulnerable right now, so you just need to chill out. Hmm? Can you do that? I appreciate that. Thank you. Now, originally Neo was the chosen one to host the show. But hosting is a full-time commitment, and he's been a little distracted lately. Trinity. See what I'm talking about? Bullshit. Bullshit. Watch the sass, Captain Sassy Pants.
2: Yeah, you're kind of spazzing out, dude.
1: You haven't answered my question. Yes, I did. You see, what You I'm... haven't answered my... I'm trying. You just need to let me
2: talk. Why am I here? Uh, would you shut up? You won't let it happen.
1: No, you won't
0: let it! I'm the one who talks! Okay, mouth shut! Ears open!
1: You have an answer. You do not want to see me get out of this chair!
0: Ergo, open
1: your yapper one more time and I'm gonna architect a world of pain all over your candy ass!
0: Ergo! Visa V! concordantly this is you can Walk into our town and to promote hate, violence, suicide, death, drug use, and columbine-like behavior, I can say! Linking violence in movies to higher levels of aggression and violent behavior. Recognizing that many children love violent movies.
2: So motherfuckers are always trying to ice scale.
0: Take, take a look around! Dodge this.
3: Welcome back to Take a Look Around Reloaded. <laughs> my name is Shawnee Campion. As always, I'm joined by my faithful co-host, Alistair B-Man
1: Bates. How are you, Batesy? Uh, great, Sean. And uh, live long and prosper.
2: <laughs> That's the one we're doing,
3: right? <laughs> yeah. Do you remember, like, before saying everything was a sequel as Ghost Protocol, you just call it Reloaded if
1: it was a sequel or something? I do. And, I, yeah, uh, yeah. It's... It's... It, it, it's a bygone era and uh <laughs> I mean, I feel like Ghost Protocol is way better than Reloaded anyway, right?
3: Yeah, I genuinely wish we were talking about (laughs) Ghost Protocol right now. But you're right, it is a bygone era. This is the, we'll get into it in more detail, but this is the defining film of the DVD era. And so when we were deciding upon guests, our first guest, no less, coming back for season two, take a look around Reloaded, we thought of none other than Mr. DVD. himself alexi tuliopoulos how are you alexi
2: i could not be more thrilled and jacked in to be talking (laughs) with you guys about one of the most precious dvd memories i have about the matrix reloaded i love this movie i love dvds i love dvd culture and like you said this is one of the most important pinnacles of dvd culture I totally, bad double disc, baby, I bat remember. <laughs> I, I would say this is, this purchasing this movie is one of the few vivid memories I have of physically buying a DVD. Uh, right. And I've <laughs> bought many over the years, but this one, I remember it so vividly. I was with my dad. We were going up the North Coast for a holiday and we're at uh, Coffs Harbour Mall. And oh yeah, baby! I had an EB Games voucher, so there were no games that I wanted. So this I bought... was
3: back when it was still Electronics Boutique
2: as well. Yeah, Electronics Boutique back in the day, and I was a Matrix fan. I'd seen the I'd seen the Matrix, I'd seen the Matrix Reloaded in cinemas, and then I bought the Matrix Reloaded on DVD from EB Games. Oh, Fuck! And in cost Harbour, nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> and just, I remember that summer holiday, just pounding that fucking DVD like out of control, pushing it in, putting it off, jacking <laughs> in, jacking <laughs> off to the whole thing. Just really, I just, I, I adored it. I would say maybe to this day. The Matrix Reloaded is one of the movies I've watched most in my life. Because I never owned any of the other <laughs> Matrix <laughs> movies on DVD. I early owned Reloaded and I just watched it constantly, just for so long, for so many years, just on a loop, and I never went back to revisit the other two for some reason. Mm. I do not And know, why but... would
3: you? Why would you possibly <laughs> ever want to do that? I, I don't know. It's no, not man... like everything was set up in the first film and then everything ends in the third mm-hmm. film and that this one is some kind of weird nether zone between the two. <laughs> that's, not the- that's not the case at all. Well,
1: I don't know. I remember being... I, I think I'm kind of set the same, Alexi. I-, I remember this DVD and just mm. fucking watching it over and over yeah. and over and over. Because I think as a kid, there's something about this movie that is just like, oh, well, Fighting Agent Smith is cool i mean imagine yes. fighting a hundred agent smiths and, and imagine now there's watching ghosts the special features <laughs> where they show you how they fought a hundred
2: agent smiths yeah i think it's like that's the preeminent like dvd-ness of it was like special features were out of control yeah like for young people like us this movie and this set was so like about like lifting the veil of like yeah, filmmaking totally. the way there's yes. like lord of the rings extended editions dvds also were about like just going like oh how do you make like a fucking crazy crazy movie where it's not just pointing the camera and pressing record like how do you create like 10 to 15 to 25 agent smiths how do you do those ghosts floating around how do you do <laughs> a freaking highway chase scene i i think this is like one of those films that's like elemental to me as well yeah. where i was like because it's like you said sean like this weird like singular <laughs> catalytic movie that does not really make sense i think it's the movie because i like pounded it so many times was uh it so so eye-opening for me in my taste in like me becoming fascinated by sequels and like yeah. you know still to this day that's something that I'm completely fascinated by and I think I even gives like sequels like such an easy break and remakes and reboots and shit such an easy break because I'm just fascinated in like the idea of how do you even make one, like what even is a sequel And this is the epitome for me of all that. Yeah. Well, I'm
3: glad that you're asking such an important question because this film will answer none of that. (laughs) (laughs) I have a very similar story to the two of you in that we were a VHS household uh, growing up. And I dressed up to see The Matrix reloaded in cinemas, I had a toy gun, I had fucking wow. BP oh, Wild, Bean, <laughs> Cafe. Mr. Fucking Joker. <laughs> Wild wow. Bean Cafe, fucking wrap around sunglasses at the Wild Bean Cafe, fucking Kabulcher BP service station. <laughs> I had my mum's trench coat from the 80s. Oh I looked my like words. a fucking dipshit, probably a pair of Converse All Stars. Wow. And I remember but my like memory about this year most Mm. of all and its relation to dvd is the fact that two months later the animatrix would come out and i was absolutely pulling my hair out that you could Mm. not get the animatrix on vhs it was the first example i ran into of that and so i begged my dad for a month straight for a dvd player and my dad is like a big fucking like tech nerd he doesn't care about music he cares about Mm. music audio quality file types (laughs) like i was in a band for a decade with my brother and his only question was did we release on dot flack (laughs) (laughs) oh my lord And I have the most distinct memory of going to buy a DVD player with my dad. And we went all the way out into the suburbs to get the best deal, walked into a store. I can't remember. It'd probably be some kind of like regional, uh, like... Electronic store started wow. talking to the warehouse guy, and were then led into the car park in which the warehouse guy opened the back of his car oh and pulled God. out DVD players from the boot <laughs> dude, of his car. This for is us some to soprano shit, dude. Yeah, <laughs> what the hell? And I just thought that was legitimate. That was the f- that was the future of electronics. You go to the suburbs A lovely Lebanese man Sells you something from the
2: back of the car (laughs) Wow Holy shit that's a beautiful DVD memory That is yeah that's amazing Hey look before we get stuck
1: into the movie Itself should we actually quickly talk about The Animatrix? Yes absolutely on DVD and video From the creators of the Matrix trilogy I'm going back to the Matrix And I want you to Come with me What is the Animatrix?
0: You've stepped to the edge of the looking glass.
1: Experience the extraordinary fusion of CG animation and Japanese anime.
0: Come get some.
1: In a groundbreaking collection of nine animated stories from seven visionary directors.
0: We know the truth now.
1: That takes the world of the Matrix to its unimaginable limits. Fly, baby. Fly. Hang on! The Animatrix. Discover how deep the rabbit hole really goes. On the DVD and CD album. What was crazy about The Animatrix, do you remember how the Flight of the Osiris mm. was that trailer that they dumped at the very start of... I can't remember what the movie was. Was it before a Final Fantasy movie? It might have been before. It was because it's
3: the same production company that made Final Fantasy The Spirits Within. They were called yeah, The Orphanage. But, uh, they were a special effects company sure. from, uh, mm. what's it called? Hawaii, of all places? Oh, sweet.
1: I remember... Aloha. So um, I, love I, I loved I loved the Final Fantasy games as a kid. Mm. And I remember just already being gassed to go see the Final Fantasy movie starring Alec Baldwin. <laughs> 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 that... Um, as soon as they were like, look, this Matrix thing is gonna be at the start of it, I was like, Fuck me, wow. man, I am all in. Like yeah. And then I do like similar, like I remember the Animatrix coming out to DVD mm. and just begging. And I remember just being in the middle of Hornsby shopping center crying until <laughs> my grandmother <laughs> was just like, Yeah, all right, I'll get it for you. But like I was I was Insane for like, I was the hype for these sequels for Mm. me personally. Like, I bought I, I still have it at Mum and Dad's this issue of Time magazine. Wow. But it is all about the sequels and how like, you know, at the time they were one of the I think were they the biggest production at that time, maybe? Uh and you know uh, how they were going back to
2: back as well. Yeah, like yeah. The... That's I'd right. completely that forgotten
3: that, but that is unheard of. Even in the day and age of Marvel films. Yeah like yeah. having the two biggest anticipated sequels possibly of all time since The Phantom Menace had come and gone already, mm. that y- you released them both in the same year with a video game and a DVD? Ooh. Like,
1: yeah. Ooh, and that ooh, video mama. game as well. Yeah, that game oh rocked. Enter the Matrix.
2: Enter the Matrix so playing as Ghost and Niobe? Yeah, dude. come on, dude. <laughs> That with the new footage that yeah. was made from the movie, I loved that game. I was Lockie,
1: so Lockie Hume was
2: in the uh oh, game yes. as their hacker. Oh man, Lockie Hume, <laughs> Aussie Legend, almost played the Joker. We oh really? Yeah. Hey,
1: answer me this real quickly, guys. Riddle me this, guys. Did the Joker die at the end of the Dark Knight?
2: Yeah. No um tragically he died during post production. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> actually one of those moments of popular culture, and saddest moments
1: of my life. Oh no. <laughs> Al the Joker died on the way back to his home planet. <laughs> yeah. Uh I feel like talking about something dying is a good way for us to segue into this film where my childhood dreams of the coolest sequel ever uh, coming out died upon arrival. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's not true. But let's talk about it. Let's talk about The Matrix Reloaded. I believe it is our fate to be here. It is our destiny. I believe this night holds for each and every one of us the very
0: meaning of of our lives this is a war and we are
3: soldiers what if tomorrow the war could be over isn't that worth fighting for isn't that worth dying for Okay, now Al, Alexi, you guys, we both know Alexi as Mr. DVD... And Al, you, you know me a bit better than Alexi, so you know me as Mr. Being Able to Remember the
1: Plot of a Movie, don't you? <laughs> That's
3: yeah. what everyone calls me behind my back, to my face.
1: Oh yeah, number one plot remember is Sean Campbell. Number one plot remember.
3: When the biggest names in the business, the production team behind such startling and dramatic films like Rush Hour 3 and Meet the Fockers <laughs> need a plot remembered, BAM! Shawnee is right there. Shawnee remembers every little detail. Shawnee can remember even the most minute details that you're all squabbling over. And let me tell you, I watched this film
1: last night and I can't remember a single fucking thing that happened. Let's. I think just straight out the, the gate, we should talk about how this film is literally a ligament between like mm. bone and muscle. Like there. Mm. It's literally. Just a piece of it just connects two things. <laughs> yeah, I think
2: that's what I like about it because I think it's just so fascinating. Because I think I went through like a big Matrix phase when mm. I was young. The first movie blew me away. It's so much so that when I saw Shrek in cinemas and they did like <laughs> the metrics yeah. Fiona <laughs> like does like the camera three sixties around her. I was like, I can't stand this movie. How dare they disrespect the Matrix? (laughs) 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 And just, like, was completely obsessed by it and thought it was beyond everything. And then the sequels, I loved Reloaded. I loved Revolutions when I saw it. But I think, like, I was so marred by the critical reception and, like, how these films were, like, held by, like, popular culture that, like... I became maybe a bit snobby and were like, oh, they're not good after I watched Reloaded for like 40 times. Mm, I never really went back to them until like a couple of years ago when Cam and I started doing Total Reboot. I just like had that urge like, I got to jack back in. I (laughs) got to re-enter the Matrix. I got to do it. I watched all three films including uh, Animatrix. I bought this Blu-ray set that had all of them. Sweet. And I think like this I fell in love with this movie again because of that weird connective tissueness mm. because it is such like a bizarre sequel that's so much about world building but in ways that like completely plays with your expectations of what a matrix movie should be totally. it's all Absolutely. about like neo. Uh, like, or the idea of having free will and the idea of not having free will and having things be preordained or things being set in place like regardless of your free will and I found that I found this movie so complex weird fascinating (laughs) completely fucking strange like there's talk about werewolves and vampires in this like how it, it folds everything into the matrix in a way that is so unprecedented
1: yeah it's very cool how there is that scene where the oracle's like
2: oh werewolves vampires
1: zombies aliens they're actually real mm. but they're actually just computer programs that have fucked up and yeah. are like
3: that is the only note i have written down <laughs> from last
1: night's watch is werewolves oracle question mark <laughs> well i was reading that neil game neil Gaiman wrote this comic book about the machine like it's an official matrix comic book about the machines hire uh stealing the greatest raf pilot from the matrix to fight real life aliens what yeah amanda palmer's (laughs) husband wrote that (laughs) yeah i don't know but i mean i think i agree with you alexi that it really kind of compounds and builds on the Mm. kind of philosophical stuff discussed in the first film it's... I
3: think if, if if there's like an analogy that you could have for this film is that, you know, when you go to a McDonald's drive through and you place your order and then they tell you to drive to this kind of this little pickup zone where mm-hmm. you're waiting for your order to come out to you. Yeah. But instead of your order <laughs> coming out to you and you eating it, a guy walks out to you and talks about determinism for two hours <laughs> and 17 minutes. <laughs>
1: I guess, so yeah, I guess really, there are probably four or five real kind of beats to this mm. plot. Let's let's just jump straight in. So we get an
3: opening action sequence with Trinity be- fighting some security guards and an agent mm. only to have her be mortally wounded neo wakes up to reveal it was all a dream inside of a dream or something like that and that the nebuchadnezzar is is back in action and that they're on their way to finally see the zion that was promised uh, in the earlier films we are uh, see a a meeting of all of the other ships that are just like the nebuchadnezzar where we're introduced to a cast of characters around us, which is just some truly amazing acting. We've oh, got um, Naomi so played by Jada like... Pinkett Smith. <laughs> what is his name? Uh the guy from Blue Murder turns up. Yeah. I completely
2: forgotten that he was in this. Mr. Steve Bastoni himself. I absolutely love that actor. And so yes. many of like the cast of like Neighbors and stuff. There's, yeah. So this movie is chock full of like amazing aussie tv and theater talent yeah like totally. e. davis pops up at the end of the film
3: the detective from getting square is like yep. a major role within this revelation
2: yeah <laughs> yeah uh and but what's the, the fact that Mois steve bastoni
1: Greener? was in it
3: and that he's a main character just blew me away because i was like a
1: where did all your hair go and b what are you doing here <laughs> <laughs> Who's Steve Bastogne? Who did he play? Uh,
3: he was the cop that is the whistleblower that they shoot through the window.
1: I mean in The Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> Not oh. in Blue Murder, <laughs> the classic Australian miniseries. Th- <laughs> <laughs> he,
3: uh, he is the uh, captain of, I want
1: to say, the Mjolnir? Uh, the, the, mm. He's the bald dude who like eats
2: it towards yeah. the end. Yeah. He's got a get. red yeah. shirt, I believe. He's a maroon-coloured yeah. fella. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes. And so
3: everyone's chatting about how the machines are digging down to Zion, and they only know this because of a last transmission from the Osiris. Me in the cinema, 12 years old, heart beats out of the chest. (laughs) I know what the Osiris is. I watched Final Flight of the Osiris. (laughs) Holy
0: fuck. Yeah, Uh,
3: another. Another great casting role here is uh, Roy Jones Jr. is one of the, like, the really? boxer Roy Jones Jr. Oh, my God. Who just fought Mike Tyson in a rematch bout where they fought to a draw in one of the oh most God. ridiculous fixed fights I've ever seen. He's the leader of Bane's ship, and when oh, Bane, yeah. possessed by Agent Smith, is like,
1: Oh, hey boss, I think we should uh, volunteer for the mission. He's like, shut the <laughs> fuck up! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, really, the whole plot just kind of hinges more or less on them trying to find out a way to stop the machines mm. from digging into Zion but they spend a lot of that just in the Matrix. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So
3: yeah, basically, to like put it bluntly, uh, there is the High Council of Zion want to have all of the ships at the ready mm-hmm. to protect against the machines burrowing into Zion. But Morpheus wants to go on a last ditch effort to go visit the Oracle again with Neo. And fulfill the prophecy and maybe find a way to stop the machines through the Matrix. So we finally get to see Zion for the first time, but not before we're introduced to Link, played by Harold Perrineau. Because Marcus Chong is not back in the film.
0: (laughs) Now we touched on
3: this a little bit. Uh, We touched on this a little bit. Link is, uh, I want to say, the brother-in-law of uh, Marcus Chong's tank.
2: Yeah, Tank and Dozer's brother-in-law, because I think the sister, he's married to the sister of them. Yeah.
3: Sure. <laughs> I thought it was really funny that Harold Perrineau, at this point, had literally just wrapped up six straight years of sitting in a wheelchair filming mm. Oz, and then what do they get to do for The Matrix, <laughs> the most high-flying kickboxing film of all time? He gets to sit in a chair! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Alexi, did you have anything on Marcus Chong at all?
2: Yeah, I, I think Harold Perrineau is a great replacement. I think Harold Perrineau is a great actor. I love him in Oz. I love him in Lost as well. But Marcus Chong, it's like, you guys would have touched on it last week, but he's, like, fascinating. And you would have talked about that weird documentary where he kind of, like, it's his side of the story of why he's not in those movies. But, you know, Cam James and I, like, become a bit obsessed with this, particularly Cam. He's talked at me a lot about Marcus Chong <laughs> and him being, like, not getting brought back because, firstly, he demanded, uh, I think, an equal paycheck to Keanu and Carrie-Anne Moss. Seems fair. Because <laughs> I guess he's one of the only other survivors of the Nebuchadnezzar. So he was like, I should be equal lead with these people not kind of you know being self-aware enough and then there's kind of like a bit of background on marcus chong he's one of those people that uh like is a bit of a hollywood tragic story of like you know definitely exhibits some talent had a big break in the matrix
3: he's fantastic in the matrix yeah he's so plucky
2: and so, like, I think he brings that necessary reality to the to the world outside of the Matrix mm. that, like, is what sells that world as being the real world. And, uh, you know, there's stuff like that where he's allegedly the adopted son of uh, Tommy Chong, and that's why his name is Marcus Chong. But that's not true. He's like a family acquaintance, and Martin Chong yeah, adopted the name like to that. make it through Hollywood. Martin Sheen, Charlie Sheen style, I guess. <laughs> and uh, just like there's all there's this. There's one
3: thing kids care about, it's Tommy John. <laughs> yeah. and just
2: like all this weird stuff of like, you know, him calling up the Wachowski siblings and being like uh fucking like threatening them to like get him back into the movie and stuff.
3: <laughs> he claimed they sent assassins to his house. It's all very yeah. sad and you you were talking off air about maybe potentially doing a a sequel to Finding Drago and Finding Desperado and Finding Chong. Yeah, it, it was just one be, of the what, ideas Ten minutes long and, yeah. <laughs> and calling you a cunt and hanging off.
2: Yeah. We're just like, yeah, we can't do this one. We don't need to bring this to a bigger world at all. It's too sad of a story, but um, it is like fascinating. I to be honest, I can't recommend that documentary, but if you are like the three of us, then I would say, yes, it is worth checking out, but not for the faint of heart. Alrighty, well,
1: I'm now back in. Sean was like, (laughs) I need you to watch this by lunch. And then 20 minutes later, he was like, oh, God, don't watch (laughs) it.
2: It's definitely one that it's lucky it's on YouTube because you do need to skip around a little lot. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I guess I'm going to give it a miss again.
3: (laughs) So back in the Matrix, we have somehow... In fact, no, we're back in Zion, aren't we? So we see Zion for the first time. And God, is it underwhelming? (laughs) It just looks like a big submarine. It's so
2: ugly and so dirty. Do you know what really stood out to me this time? When the Nebuchadnezzar is entering Zion, they do that thing like in Star Wars or whatever where they like call in and they're like, okay, opening the gates or whatever. And the room that the people that they connect to are is like in. The, it looks like it's in the Matrix because yeah, oh, they're
1: jacked in.
2: Oh, they're, the white, the white, that brain white thing. Brain, So they are they real or are they in the Matrix? I think
1: they were like controlling the door in the mate in the mate in some like simulation mate. I, yeah. Now that like. I, look, would you believe this is uh, yeah. some one thing about this film that falls <laughs> apart <laughs> under much, much, much
2: closer looks? Yeah, so when so I was funny. watching this, I go, like, whoa, they're in the one clean room in Zion. <laughs> and now I'm and... just like, no, it has to be Matrix, so they look like the architect. Yeah, The
3: thing that fucks me off the most about Zion is that they could have made it look like Anything in the world, and, mm. and they had all of recorded history to yes. draw upon, all of their influences, all of their distilled pop cultural mm. knowledge, and they made Zion look like fucking The Phantom Menace, yeah, <laughs> the most derided film of the last
1: five years. <laughs> yeah, it's it. There are just it's a lot of ugly, dark blue and maroon, and yeah. like. You the know, councilman it's... is just Boss Nass, the
3: leader of the Gungans? <laughs> yeah, you know like... that's you know that's Cornell West,
1: uh, famous African. No, writer. not him, the other guy. <laughs> oh right. I... <laughs> Jesus Christ now. <Al.
3: laughs> the white guy. <laughs> <laughs> Look, yeah.
1: I feel like we've missed something like uh agents. We haven't. <laughs> we really haven't. <laughs>
3: Oh you yeah, we see. no. Actually, you're right. Agent Smith's back, and he's oh, unprogrammed yeah. from the Matrix, and he talks like Ultron from Age of Ultron. <laughs> there is no strings on me. I'm free,
1: baby. That's how James Spader talks. <laughs> uh james uh not james james spader uh possesses bane uh (laughs) and now agent smith is in the real world which is i think one of the only other plot points to this film that the robot is now real
3: and bane isn't some like guy he's just a guy with a goatee like so Mm. much of this film they had one of the highest grossing films of the past decade they had four years to put this together and they still just filled it with like character actors from australian tv and just no names i didn't understand what they were going for you know what
1: shits me as well where it's like you know when he's in the hallway and he's about to stab him with the knife and then he doesn't
3: Oh, the blade knife.
1: Yeah, it's just like, why didn't you... Like, you're not going to die if you die in the real world because there's a bazillion copies of you in The yeah. Matrix anyway. So why don't you just... Go for it. Why don't you... Just <laughs> <laughs> run at him, dude. Yeah. Leroy Jenkins. Fuck that, dude.
2: I read, like, years ago. It's one of those, like, indie trivia facts that's just stuck in my head that that actor is an Australian character actor that plays Bane, David Bliss. David Bliss. And he only... He got the role... Because he could do a uh, like dead-on balls accurate uh, impression of Hugo Weaving as Agent Smith, and that was cast <laughs> saying his famous
1: catchphrase, "Mr. Anderson." Yeah. <laughs>
3: so you're saying that I could potentially get to work side by side with jack nicholson for my yeah. dead-on jack nicholson impression that i've been doing for an entire year straight on this <laughs> podcast
2: you could be joker jr dude that's what we're hoping yes <laughs>
3: the kids could call you hold you <laughs> <laughs> so this next bit in zion is my favorite scene in the whole movie where i could not i was near tears laughing where all of the pilgrims come up to Neo Mm. as some kind of Jesus figure and ask him for blessings and give him gifts. And a lady says to him, it's just like... Neo you've got to help my daughter she's on the Icarus do you know if she's okay <laughs> it's like what were there no seats on the Titanic <laughs> you named your ship the Icarus <laughs> you fucking idiot
1: <laughs> that, and then the spoon he gets handed that shitty metal spoon because if you remember the spoon from the first movie you'll get that there's a shitty metal spoon in
3: this. <laughs> and yeah it, it never even comes back it's not even Chekhov's spoon there's no point at which he says there is no spoon because he's already said that in the first film so they just give him a spoon and he's like oh thanks
1: (laughs) I love it as well this is like this is like four months after the first Matrix so I can't imagine how he himself would feel just being like, oh, okay, so, like, six months ago, I was um, just this fucking dude who worked in a computer mm. co- factory, you know, I programmed computers. And now I'm kind of being worshipped as some kind of demigod, if not actually god. And <laughs> I can fly now. Like, I feel like you'd have some kind of, like, you, I feel like you'd be, this. it's a lot to take in all mm. at once. <laughs> I don't feel like six months is enough. <clears throat> So, the crew of the
3: Nebuchadnezzar fly out to meet the Keymaker, uh, who is some program they need to find to the Oracle. The Keeper To so get a keys. return of mm. the Oracle. It's all very, like, ridiculous and not really kind of elaborated on what their end goal is yeah. and why they need to get to this guy. The Oracle and the Keymaker, the Oracle tells him that They are being held captive by a guy named the Merovingian. So, when I was 12 years old, I was like, What the hell is going on? Mm -hmm. And only earlier today do I find out that the Merovingian are a sacred order within the Catholic Church that control the book, and the book has the where the Holy Grail is kept. Mm. And
1: it's all very hanging a hat on a hat. Sure. You know what's Ooh also boy. weird how well, did the Maravinian, uh how how did he get locked up when he has the magic keys and they've shown him making keys inside of his cell the
2: key maker Yeah um because it's a fucking movie dude oh right (laughs) (laughs) i think but what are you gonna you have to call the guy the merovingian i know it's like hanging a hat on a hat but what are you gonna call him like barry or some shit (laughs) you just can't have like a guy called michael when everyone else is called (laughs) like freaking z and tank and shit in the matrix has got to be a cool name the merovingian very cool name it's so funny you
1: mention
3: that because uh In the lead up to this phone call, uh, Al and I were re watching. Did you ever? It was included as a special feature on the DVD, but the 2003 MTV Movie Awards parody of The Matrix Reloaded with Will Ferrell as the architect. Uh, Yes. And he's like, please call me Larry. Yeah.
2: <laughs> man, that is a shot in the nostalgia, yeah right Fucking yeah hell. watching that, that captain oh, sassy pants visa v well we'll put it up on the
1: instagram for everybody, but uh it's it's to it's, it's, to its to die for yeah oh it's marvelous. it was like
3: in a time predating memes, mm. all of popular culture had to be distilled into a single 15 minute sketch <laughs> of the MTV Movie Awards and that's what you just held out for all year long God. and depended upon until the next MTV Movie Awards it was an oasis in a desert of shit yeah absolutely <laughs> and
2: just they were they would absolutely go off like I still re- and they would be put on the DVDs like mm. this one's on the Reloaded DVD and on the Lord of the Rings special editions there was a way, an Easter egg. It was the first time I ever heard what an Easter egg was, and you could find the one that they did with Jack Black and Sarah Michelle Geller of the uh, the Fellowship of the Ring coming together at Rivendell. Uh, oh, and they that's did fantastic! The parody of that, and I was like, I was like, this is it. Probably in a long roundabout way. If those didn't exist, I would never have got into comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I think they probably are a bit of like a Rosetta Stone for me getting into comedy. So, Alexi,
1: uh, who are your five guys? <laughs> Jack Black. Will Sean William all the Scott. Justin the Timberlake. Very <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> correct for Lord
2: of the Rings DVD or extended edition. Oh, fuck. Yeah, like,
3: so this this whole sequence with the Merovingians sending a woman of piece of chocolate cake that's coated to give her an mm-hmm. orgasm yes yeah, so uh monica bellucci's persephone betrays him to reveal that she is going to give up everything in the world just for a kiss from neo yeah like it's
1: hey look ugh. i'll do anything for jim bellucci's daughter buddy <laughs> <laughs>
2: isn't it crazy so, that monica bellucci like is in this fucking movie yeah dude it's weird to me that she's in it and in my brain it's like that mandela effect shit of like oh yeah and her husband vincent cassell plays the merovingian and then you watch <laughs> it and go who's this fucking guy this guy i've never oh, seen before nor since it's a highlander yeah. baby it's christopher lambert <laughs>
3: i got reverse mandela effect on this where i'm like Whoa, Monica Bellucci's in this. Did you know her husband, Michael Douglas, got throat cancer from eating her pussy? <laughs> I thought greed was good, baby. That's so I
1: funny.
2: got too greedy. <laughs> Yeah, he came out to them with that chocolate cake. Like,
3: I mean, of all of the things that we have let actors off the hook for over the years, uh, we let Matthew Broderick off the hook for killing two people mm-hmm. in a car accident in Ireland. We let Michael Douglas off the hook for saying that throat cancer was caused by eating well, pussy. Well, it made me And more now aware. he's Ant-Man! <laughs> it made
2: me more aware of what HPV was, Absolutely. so I guess, you know, we owe him one. Yeah, we really but do. That,
3: he didn't even say
2: that that was that was not the headline, Shorty, It made me that look was into, not it, the Shortly, it, me look into down. it. When a celebrity of that caliber says something that crazy and ridiculous, <laughs> it made me do research, sit down, look all that stuff up, and change my life. Yeah, man. <laughs> the human body is crazy. And it's definitely not Michael the Douglas the getting throat so... cancer
3: from eating pussy. Did for HPV what Bob Geldof founding Live Aid did? <laughs> the, re- <laughs> the Refugee famine.
2: <laughs> oh man, he would Feed be the, the world, world baby. <laughs> he would be good. I hope he's in Matrix Four. Michael Douglas actually would be hectic in Matrix <laughs> movies. Yeah. Oh, he would be Whoa.
3: so good. We can
1: only imagine.
3: <laughs> so we then get a fight sequence between neo and the merovingian sidekicks or henchmen mm. who are some blade trinity looking bad guys they look terrible yeah just like i mean some of the costuming feels dated in the original matrix mm. but here it everything just looks dire like we are like minutes away from a bad guy wearing a von dutch hat or something <laughs> like that they look like, is...
2: like silvio dante's knockoffs or some shit uh, absolutely yeah. yeah. like everything else in the matrix like all the leather stuff they look so tailored like to the experience of what the matrix is this is like off the rack leather shit that these guys are I wearing i know
3: yeah there's that line in the first film about how how you appear in the matrix is a Mm. vestigial idea of how you see yourself and it's just like what the guy with the like the tribal track shaved into his goatee that takes on neo is like (laughs) he's like that's it i'm 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 fucking tribal wolverine yeah (laughs) it's
2: so weird as well because like They just seem like nothing these dudes like they're they're like neo puts them down no matter like no problem or whatever but they just like i they they have like a weird amount of personality like they look and feel like this is more in line with a movie that I think owes The Matrix quite a bit, which is Zoolander. <laughs> they, yeah. they just yes. feel like Zoolander <laughs> characters. <clears throat> yeah, they are definitely extras
1: at Paris Fashion Week. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I feel like... wasn't Paris there, Fashion Week? Wasn't there some <laughs> like kind Bangkok of... Bangkok Fashion Week. Like Port couture kind of crossover? Like, I feel like... W- were not there some high-end fashion brands that collaborated with making... Like off the as you guys said off mm. the rack clothes, it could be bought as memorabilia by Matrix fans. Because well, there was I, that I telephone don't... that they made. Samsung mm. made the mobile phone that was this. Hey, look, this is a regular Samsung phone, but we've made it for the Matrix heads yeah, out there. It's got a clip <laughs> in it, dude.
3: Maybe that is really like top of the range stuff. It's just that it maybe like everything shit, looked like shit in two thousand. All high fashion
1: looks bad at the time, <laughs> and yeah. then terrible like 20 years later (laughs) i remember
2: this was on the same road trip that my dad and i had done where i famously bought the matrix reloaded on dvd from coffs harbour but eventually we went up to uh one of the most exciting places in all of australia the glitz, the glamour of Hollywood on the Gold Coast, Warner Brothers movie yeah, world, dude. and they—you know—I could just go there anytime
3: I like, there. Alexi. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of One of the perks of there. living in beautiful sunny Queensland. <laughs> <laughs> exactly,
2: you feel like you're there all the time. And I, um, when we were there, the they had, like, the Matrix sunglasses, like, all the sunglasses that there were, uh, you know, reproductions of the characters from the Matrix. I remember trying them all on, tried the Niobe one on, looked shit on me because it looked fucking crazy. <laughs> the Neo one didn't do anything for me. But the ones I tried on, and they looked kind of good for, you know, I was, like, a fat 12-year-old. So they weren't that cool. They looked stupid. But um, was the twins, who I'm sure oh, we're about yes. to talk about. Yeah, dude. And I just remember, like you know, they were like 40 bucks and my, I, you know, just asking my dad, dad, can you get me these? Can I have these sunglasses? And I think my dad must have just been wise enough to be like, no, I'm not going to get them for you. they look it's like, <laughs> you have to think about it and then we'll come back later and get them to make sure that you really want them. We'll come back to we'll come back and Warner them.
3: Brothers Movie World <laughs> with its $60 yeah. entrance <laughs> price. But I think it was more like, you know, we'll come
2: back at the end of the day to get them and you have to really want them and I think that I, at the time, was like, no, you're right. I don't really want them. And I reckon for maybe the next six years, I was like, I should have fucking got the sunglasses. <laughs> I read to this day, I'm like, God, I wish I had the fucking twin sunglasses from the Matrix. You better
3: believe that we're going to get Phoebe, our executive producer, to uh, Photoshop those <laughs> onto a picture <laughs> of you now. Oh, that my dream. Just to pull at the heartstrings. Oh, my God. <laughs> You know that that uh, exhibit has been, was replaced by the train from Harry Potter?
2: Oh, I thought we were about to say the train that pulls into station, the most famous movie that would make the best ride <laughs> in the movie, movie world.
3: What, the original film? The first horror movie A and tra- the first documentary. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, the Warner Brothers movie Well, it's just like, Yeah, yeah we we're got... really sorry about the new <laughs> Really,
1: just so sorry. We got the train from that video. You're uh, gonna, gonna fucking
2: flip out, dude. It's gonna replace the Police Academy stunt show. I remember- They it, got rid of that as
1: well! I remember at the Police Academy stunt show, when there's a bit where they pretend to throw a bomb into the mm. crowd, and I remember just screaming so much <laughs> that one of the stuntmen just broke kayfabe and was just like, oh my ah! <laughs> uh, that actually might
2: have been an acquaintance of mine, Dave Eastgate. He used to run and MC the. Um, he's a great comedian. He used to uh, MC the the show oh wow academy awesome show. and he also used to play austin powers at movie world Fuck, double average hat- <laughs> one, one in. <laughs> incredible actor something
3: uh. i once saw that was amazing i would go to the police academy stunt show uh every single time we'd go because it, it was so much fun and i remember like uh you know sitting down and there's a, a little kid next to me and i'm like yeah kid it's all real <laughs> and then uh one of the stunt men would was genuinely injured during the falling off the scaffolding bit and i remember being like oh no <laughs> <laughs> oh, and well, they just had to like work around the fact that this oh guy God. might be have to go to
2: hospital. God, my heart goes out to that guy and his entire family
1: <laughs> so the twins they were portrayed by two British
2: handyman, yeah, they <laughs> were on like the British equivalent of Backyard Blitz. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's so good. <laughs> they just
1: happened to know judo or something crazy like They're that. They're like master twin. judo guys, <laughs> yeah. And they got wow. cast
2: in the movie because they were like happened to find two twins that were, I guess, screen on screen ready that could do judo. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> That's a a custody call.
1: Friend
3: Friend of the show, Chris Campion, went as one of the twins uh, for Halloween this year. Where um, I'm sorry to Chris for bringing this up, but to replicate the the dreadlocks, my mum cut the strands off a mop and put them
1: on top of his head.
2: A used mop or brand new? (laughs) <laughs> Probably used. Probably. <laughs> Knowing my parents, was it was a used mop. <laughs> I can't. Im-
1: I can't imagine your brother forking out for a new mop. <laughs> 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 um, uh, I think what was heaps funny about this character though of the twins. I think remember how like in the early noughties every villain was just an albino? Mm. Uh, yeah, Bettany and Da Vinci Fitchy. Code. Exactly. Warner Brothers when when they were met with that criticism that were just like, uh oh, actually they're not albinos, they have black eyebrows and <laughs> albinos don't have <laughs> black eyebrows. <laughs> It's just like the great
2: double down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, they just the... freaky, okay. Yeah. <laughs>
3: I love the idea. Like you hear stories about uh, famous super producer John Peters talking about how Friend when he was right, getting scripts <laughs> in done in the nineties, he would insist upon a giant spider at the end yeah. of the yeah. third act. Like famously, Superman lives. That's in, lives. That's, in a, yeah. that's in Wild Wild West. I'm loving the idea of that. Maybe. Uh, there's a Warner Brothers exec, like, high up there, that's just like, okay, but um, maybe the bad guys could be up by now. <laughs> maybe that's the scariest thing in the world. <laughs> so, uh,
1: the twins chase the key maker, which, I guess, kind of kicks off the coolest part of the film. There's this... Oh, the only part blink and watching, You'll miss eh? it, a karate scene where Morpheus fights the twins, whilst, like... Uh, using his samurai sword to fight like it, it that the, the fighting choreography in the parking garage is so fucking cool mm. when they're turning in and out of being ghosts but this also leads into the
3: true reason we all came to this film, and the reason why this hasn't been relegated to the dustbin of history, which is the freeway chase. Yeah, yeah. fucking
2: amazing, so amazing scene, fucking kill. I, I uh, freaking Christopher Nolan just tried to like rip it for tenant yeah and no, that's all i close.
3: was thinking of when i re this i was like man they tried to do this for tenant fuck they yeah. blew it <laughs> this is uh... unreplicatable it is truly some incredible design work it's 22 minutes long mm. and yeah. shot on two miles of constructed highway they made themselves yeah for I, the I, purpose of it. I
1: remember just watching one of the features of Uh, all the carpenters just explaining the whole process Mm. of like yeah these walls are actually all this plywood with some A-frames behind them but the bitumen's real (laughs) (laughs) can
2: I uh, use this moment to tell a bit of a Matrix story oh please I would love that uh, this relates to the design of the films I am very close friends with uh, the daughter of Owen Patterson who is the production designer of the Matrix films and many of the other great films by Wachowskis and like oh, holy Captain shit. America 2 and stuff. Oh, wow. He's like a legend. Absolutely one of the best production designers in the game ever. And um, there was one night that we had like a big party at their amazing... They were like this amazing beach property. And we had like a big party there and um i had uh done some illicit substances that night so i was a little bit giggly and stuff <laughs> and right um on. i left the party to go find the bathroom i couldn't find i was told like it's down here go find it here i couldn't find, i went to the wrong door i opened a room and her father her mother and her brother were watching the matrix on tv <laughs> with ads <laughs> <laughs> like well, i free to air tv and I was just like, this actually must be the primo way to watch it. I thought it was all about DVD culture, but it's free to wear. you got to watch it on Channel 7 with some ads on it.
1: And with the production design, yeah,
2: that's the way.
3: Did he give you? Me- were you just like high as shit on MD and just like forced your
2: way onto the couch <laughs> in between the wife and yeah. husband who were like, "You got some stories for yeah. me, big dog?" <laughs> oh my god! In the ad in the ad breaks, you must tell me the stories. Tell me what's going on. <laughs> I love you, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: This fucking sweet car chase comes to an end. Uh, bada bing, bada boom. That scene with um, Morpheus, like mm. take, like f-
3: cutting the car yeah, and so the cool. samurai sword and, <laughs> and him fighting the agent on the semi-trailer yeah. i
2: think is such like amazing like fight choreography i love the way that uh i love the way Lawrence fishburne fights in these movies because like there's a strong lightness to him and because he's such like a big hefty guy yeah it just looks he's very graceful he's so very light cool. on his feet uh, he looks like fred mm. flintstone or some shit dude <laughs> Twinkle, like, t- twinkle baby. Style. <laughs> i love it <laughs>
1: Um. Yeah, this movie really is about this car chase. I mm. was saying to Alexi, and I think I might have said earlier, how I would just legitimately watch this scene mm. on loop when it came out on DVD. Ryan Johnson, star uh, dude. You're a yeah, looper. I'm a fucking looper. <laughs> but like so much... Well, speaking of movies that let <laughs> us down. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <geez. laughs> but so much... Like, the the theme song, like, the chase theme, the... Mm. Man, I would just, like, listen to that in mum and dad's car, just yeah. headphones full blast. Like, that scene is truly, I think, I think it, for me at least, it's the greatest action scene in the Matrix films wow. for me. I just, it's it's just so nice and tight, yet still... 22 minutes mm. long as you were saying just yeah. so much happens in it but it's always entertaining and re-watching it i was definitely like this still fucking rocks it's it, it's good arrested.
3: it's truly amazing now we they managed to get to an exit out of the matrix with the key master and they realized that they the key master tells them that they've got to get this floor of this building on the other side of town, (laughs) uh, where they will meet the source of everything in the Matrix. But to do that, they need to take out 27 city blocks, Mm. which is where I want to say the plot to the Enter the Matrix video game takes place, where the majority of that is Ghost and Niobe's part that has been cut from this film so that it will be this video game of you playing their parts. Mm. In the meantime, we instead get <laughs> old Mate blue murder <laughs> all of his stuff Mr. as he uh as his team get uh their asses fucking handed to them as their ship explodes. I remember watching this last <laughs> night, and their operator guy has like a a janky leg. And he can't get back to the like operations desk in
1: time and I'm like, No, you gave it to that
3: guy
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's gonna
1: fuck it up Hey look, inclusivity still exists in the future, man. He's he's fine. What's his what's his name again? Steve
3: Steve Bastoni. Gets killed, and they're not able to take uh, the city block offline. And so, like, it reroutes all of the power. And this is, like, one of the few times my extremely boring day job comes into play, where if you <laughs> blew up a power station, the city does not just reroute the power <laughs> with a <the> computer. <laughs> You get a cataclysmic level of power outages, not just 27 city blocks. You're talking an entire city is wiped out.
1: Man, I'm going to say it. Some of the things in this film don't add up. So they get
3: 3.14 minutes to get into the source room Mm. or whatever it's called. And Trinity has to like save the day. 3.14 being the digits of pi where I was just like so ready to turn off the film at that moment. When I I hear that, I'm like... Fuck this Reddit ass movie. I love it.
2: I'm like fuck, that's pie. I understand that. And I'm a fucking nincompoop, so that's awesome.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So this fight sequence with uh, Trinity that we've seen at the start of the film is actually from the end of the film Mm. where she's she's killed. But uh, Neo gets into the source room and it's all revealed. We get... Does someone else want to take over here? I don't even know how to begin with the architect. He is...
1: This scene is as bad as you remember oh, it being. Oh, my God. I
2: love it. <laughs> yeah. uh, you love, I love it? the architect.
1: Vis-a-vis, uh, girl, yeah. uh, all of these great <laughs> concurrent. I love him.
2: It's What's his name? Helmut Baleakartius? He's an Australian <laughs> actor. I think that it's weird to me that that's not <clears throat> an act like a big name as well. Yeah. I all like yeah. an interesting that, why is that
3: not Donald Sutherland? Yes. Why do the Hunger games have Donald Sutherland Playing this guy. and the Matrix has some guy from neighbours.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is it is so weird. I mean I think he's fabulous and I love that performance by Helmet. And I think that there I but it is weird that's not like someone. I always find that strange. That's just like it's this guy that I could cast in my web series tomorrow, and I actually have worked on a web series where we had him for ages, and then he dropped out. But oh that, no! Uh, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, that, I
3: just looked him up. I am wrong. He was not in. Um, he was not in Neighbours. He was a Home yeah. and Away guy. He's a Sydney
2: boy. He lives. He went to Fort Street High School in the Inner West, I believe, or Sydney Boys or some shit. Um, from when I've read his <laughs> Wikipedia a few times, I'm getting excited that one day I'll meet him. Uh, but I think I love this scene I think it's just like that incredible philosophical monologue that's so like of that era of like where uh, you know things are explained in a way that's just cryptic enough but it is still like just unpacking exactly what the themes of this movie are which is basically free will or the uh, the uh, how would you say like the, the semblance of free will, like the... the determination. Yeah, self-determination so yeah. stuff. And I think that for me, it's it's so mind-bending. Like this is... I lost my freaking mirror virginity to this movie <laughs> <laughs> because it <laughs> fucked my mind when I was a young kid. Oh, of just going like, well, this is how the Matrix has existed. There's been several Matrixes and there's always been the one. And just going like, to unpack the idea of what like a messiah can be, and like yeah. in this world, and like what the one actually is—it's just an anomaly. It's, it's not just like, a whole it's... bunch of
1: shitty code put into one person. Yeah, and, like, it's not an error. Yeah. Yeah. It's
2: not like oh, we're like oh, you're predetermined by God. It's yeah. like. No, it is just this thing, and yeah. it's like it's kind of fucked up that you're if, the one.
1: If anything, you're kind of a huge shit cunt, and we yeah. actually need to
2: destroy you for
1: everything to work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I, but what, I think it's amazing. Like, for like, I remember seeing it as a kid and just being like, "What the fuck?" Like that's mm. how you end this film. But like in retrospect, it is so amazing. that yeah. like, this huge franchise film. Yeah, the the middle part. You know, there's no. Uh, I am your father, there's yes. no you know, uh, Michael I'm taking the kids, it's more of this like yeah you suck and now the movie's just going to end on this fucking weird little whimper Where?
0: Mm. Where?
3: I had to try and remember what Michael taking the kids yeah, is be from minute, before too. I realised like, it was the oh, godfather yeah, my movie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> who's Michael? Yeah.
2: I was like yeah. <laughs> what happens in Monsters Inc. Uh, University <laughs> or some shit
1: <laughs> but you know like <laughs> it's such a subversive kind of mm. um, uh, ending for like, of se- uh, such a highly anticipated sequel yeah. for it to just be like,
0: mwah, mwah, as
1: the ending of the film. It's
2: kind of fucking cool. I think that's one of the reasons I like it, because I just think, I really find the Wachowskis just fascinating, oh. because... They, totally. To, they just make such weird... Everything's a choice. You like Cloud Atlas? I love yeah, Cloud, Cloud Atlas. Yeah, Atlas
1: is awesome. I love... So fucking Cloud weird. Atlas. So <laughs> weird.
2: And to me, like, this is so exemplary. And, like, the first real hint to me where I'm like, the Wachowskis are, like, filmmakers to have just come here from the future. Yeah, sure. Like, they make movies that are not from our time no. like you look at this you look at speed i racer. genuinely
3: haven't seen any of the others i've seen v for vendetta that they mm, wrote, you love speed racer but don't you? i remember
2: i got a sauce before. i don't think i love okay. it as much but it's like if you watch speed racer you're like This is a language that has yet to be invented. (laughs) This is a visual language that's yet to be invented and we're seeing it for the first time because there's like a portal that's opened up that the Wachowski stepped through. Yeah, I think that this is like emblematic of that because they're just like, they just make bold, weird choices where they're like, well, you know, our films are thematic so we're going to just mainly play on the theme rather Mm -hmm. than it be like the hero's journey that you're typically used to even though it really does still play into all of that stuff. Like this is like the same as fucking Empire Strikes Back as well. It's just like they subvert the moments when you think it's going to be like a big set piece. It's a conversation with a guy dressed like Colonel Sanders.
3: (laughs) 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 So to finally finish up the film, Neo goes against his predetermined Mm. choice, which has been set up for him. And he goes to save Trinity and uh, uh god the superman flying shit gets to mm. me like i think it looks so tacky what, you know but what uh, i thought was weird he, when uh,
1: link says oh he's just doing his superman thing and it's like dude this is
3: yeah it's like how do you know 27... what superman <laughs> is you can't even jack into <laughs> <Yeah>. the matrix <laughs> this is, this is
1: too, like they said it was 2012 uh, 2200 mm. but now that there's actually been six matrixes before it's probably like the year 3000 or something yeah how do you know it? yeah exactly uh <laughs> oh, these the movies rock. so back in the real world uh the detective from getting
3: square reveals to them as the nebuchadnezzar is destroyed uh morpheus gets one more technical death metal band name in there as as he watches the nebuchadnezzar go up in flames and he's just like quotes king nebuchadnezzar with i had a dream but (laughs) but i dream no more (laughs) neo reveals that he can now destroy machines in the real world as well as the matrix yeah that's and uh whoa (laughs) <laughs> but then he drops fucking dead, and it's revealed that the only other survivor of the Attack of the Machines mm-hmm. is the Agent Smith-possessed Bane. Yeah. Remember that guy we all <laughs> forgot about? He's <laughs> bad He does a memorable actor, unfortunately. <laughs> Though he
2: is good in the role, it's a thing we're casting. They needed, you know, another six million dollars for this movie. <laughs> It's a very odd cliffhanger. It really is, isn't it? It's very, very (laughs) odd cliffhanger. It just smacks
3: you right there, and you get another Rage Against the Machine song, and it says,
1: To Be Concluded. Whoa. Bam! (laughs) Uh, Should we step into production?
3: I think we've covered a lot of production... Throughout most of this, do you have anything specifically uh, to something blew
1: my mind and I saw there were fucking eight different units working on the film concurrently? Whoa. <laughs> oh. <Far out>. Yeah. <laughs> like I was watching the credits and it was just like okay, uh UK unit, second UK yeah. unit.
2: <laughs> it's a big ass those credits are like long. Yeah. I, I, I watched the movie just before coming here. Yeah. And um, there was a point where I was like, oh shit, I'm going to be late, maybe. And then I, then I was like, "Oh shit! There's like twenty minutes to go. Fuck!" And then as soon as I said that, the movie ended. The credits <laughs> were like the last, <laughs> like, "Oh great! I'm gonna be fine."
1: Yeah, man, that credit sequence when it finishes to Dave Matthews Band—so mm. cool, dude. <laughs> <laughs>
3: the music definitely takes a fucking like swing and a miss this time round. The lead single off the soundtrack album is by uh, P.O.D. with Sleeping Awake.
0: <laughs> Reveal to me the mysteries Can you tell me what it means? Explain these motions in and- your
3: One bit of trivia is that the reason I pitched this podcast to Al was due to the announcement about two years ago that the Wachowskis were filming a Matrix 4 and there was a press release from the band P.O.D., Directed at the Wachowski, saying that they would love to return oh to appear on the <laughs> oh soundtrack. God. Is that real? <laughs> That's oh real, baby. God.
2: It's pretty wild. I mean, you yeah. got to warn me, dude. You should give me a trigger warning. I have. You've awoken the depression from within me. Hearing <laughs> news like that. Oh no, no, no! Fun bit of a.
3: Fun bit of trivia about that song as well is that the film clip is a very early piece of work from Mark Webb who oh, would later yeah. go on to do those awful Andrew Garfield Oh, yeah. Webb
2: films. himself <laughs> Mr. 500 Days or Summer Yeah <laughs> My god isn't it crazy that like the Wachowski people Gave uh, two people Marcus Chong syndrome, Pod and POD and Marcus <laughs> Chong. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, the soundtrack
1: to this film, uh, I remember being on a family trip to bathurst Mm. i cried to my parents (laughs) and was like please let me have this matrix cd uh and it was like a double disc with a sweet new metal soundtrack on one disc and on the other it was just the orchestral score (laughs) oh wow i feel don davis got
3: lucky with this in that his his scores his motifs Mm. and his cues were all so instantly recognisable right from the get-go that literally all he did for this film was remix them with Juno Reactor, and was able to put together a whole score. He probably did like fifteen days' work.
2: (laughs) I mean, you're so spot-on though. Like, I think that like it's like i don't know what the score of the matrix is like i couldn't tell you the melody but it's those noises like yeah. those like little the big the yeah. horn. those horns proto dubstep yeah. noises
3: mixed with the orchestral swells like that, this... you know that a hand zimmer was watching this oh, yeah, being like mom out. you got to buy me the yeah. CD, <laughs> the double disc <laughs> And his mom is just like, oh, Johannes, you are 37 years old. You can buy your own CD, Johannes Zimmer. Oh,
2: man. But it's like those those little motifs, those musical motifs, they are fucking so evocative. Like, yeah. they still like, you know, that sound of like that blah, blah, of, like when they enter the Matrix, I'm like, Man, give me that as a ringtone. I want that whenever I get a message. It's so sick.
3: Speaking of ringtones, this film, while quintessential to the Mm. DVD era, is also quintessential to the early days of mobile phone technology. The idea of, like, you know, I'm pretty sure, like, seeing a kid at school that when he booted up his Mm. phone, it, like, flashed
2: the Matrix logo in,
3: like, that, like, two-bit, like, text
2: screen. I remember I, like, on my Nokia 3315 or whatever, I um, used, like, a tutorial from the internet to make the Matrix logo. Like Wait. to tell you, like put yes. a dot here, put a dot here, put a dot here, put a dot here, <laughs> and like going like yes, fuck yes, I've got Matrix <laughs> on my phone.
1: I I definitely got the screensaver and would mm. just sit in front of the computer watching it, just being like, yeah, yes, I can totally read. Yes, this. the screens. Yeah, yeah. Everybody yeah, yeah. had the screensaver. I can actually see into the Matrix. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's a gorgeous chicken in a red dress. Yeah, brunette, blonde. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Joey Pants says yeah. the first one. <laughs> i I can't Uh, remember
3: if i touched on it uh in the first one i will i i I will edit it out if i did because i i love this but in in similar to pod Mm. releasing a press release Joey Pants also put out a press release saying that he would love to reprise oh, his Matrix role in Matrix 4 for the yeah, wow. and, and as of yet he he's like bro you <laughs> died and yeah I read the fucking and he is yet to hear
1: from the Wachowski.
2: wow <laughs> man I love Joey Pants yeah dude I, he's he one rocks. of my absolute favourite dudes I always
1: have to bring this up whenever he's brought up but he is the he is Ace Freely from Kiss's AA sponsor whoa really yeah are you <laughs> serious yeah hundred percent. Whoa. They, I remember. Because I'm a I'm a huge KISS fan. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> huge alcoholic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm actually a huge Scooch fan. It's, it's <laughs> Australian You versus. know that the whole
3: thing is that it's Alcoholics Anonymous. You can't yeah, out yeah, people's yeah. sponsors. Yeah, well, that's it. Because there was an interview with Ace
1: Freely, and he was just like, yeah, Joey Pants is my sponsor. Uh, and the uh, other host, uh, of the guy interviewing him, uh, Jimmy Pardo, was also a recovering alcoholic. Mm. And he was just kind of like... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it to say. You're, you know, you're not <laughs> There's Just 12 John steps, said, and now bro. you have to go right back to the very first <laughs> <Yeah>. one. <laughs> oh, wow, man. I hope.
2: I, I love joey pants i hope he gets something yeah. fucking good i hope he
1: gets it. i hope he's in the sopranos prequel movie
2: playing his own dad or something like <laughs> yeah, that yeah yeah i'm really i watched i was telling you basically this before i just watched um the john wick movie sure and i was like how is joey pants not in this they got Johnny Legs, John Leguizamo. Yeah. And I was like, get Johnny Pants in there. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Johnny Joey Pants and <laughs> Johnny fit Legs. He so well in He would be in incredible there. in them. And you get the Keanu fucking Matrix thing. Yeah, like yeah. Like the way you got Lawrence Fishburne in those movies. Oh, he is the... He's so good. He's one of my favorite character actors. He's great, right? And if they bring him, find a way to bring him back. I'm all for. Hey, uh, hey,
1: little Ralphie, uh, <laughs> you don't want to lose your head, huh? Hey? Oh, that's <laughs> one, that's one good. get on out of here. Oh, I
2: actually just read that for uh for The Sopranos, he modeled his hairpiece um on christopher nolan's hair because he worked with him oh on fucking yeah (laughs) it was just like he's like he's like come on david chase i gotta be walking around new jersey it's where i live you got to give me some hair some a hair piece so i can be anonymous when i'm bored walking (laughs) around he's like can you model it on fucking chris nolan's hair but then you watch stuff like bound the other wachowski movies in that's the same fucking hair that he's got. <laughs> I think it's just his hair piece that he's made like this apocryphal tail <laughs> yeah, later on. Yeah, yeah,
1: Oh, I totally uh, just used it for the one time, one <laughs> time only. Don't use it when I'm out and about. <laughs>
3: we're talking about a film that was a sequel to one of the greatest mm. films of all time. That The Many Saints of Newark, this prequel yeah. to The Sopranos, is really not going to live up to it. But we're also talking Bold Guys... And the fact that Corey Stoll oh, has yeah. been uh is playing Corrado Soprano in it. Uh, Al, you would have missed this, but I somehow awakened the devil on Twitter the other day, finding out that (laughs) Corey Stoll has a legion of about 10,000 fans that consider him like the greatest living, bold actor working today. And I somehow managed to anger them by saying he looks like he wears bicycle lycra (laughs) to the office and they will not stop blowing up my my dms with death threats i saw your tweet
2: go viral i reckon i was one of the first rts on that thing and then i seeing that tweet eventually become huge because it was what did you say you said Corey. remember that year where people tried to make Corey stole a thing and i'm like absolutely i remember that as a 90s kid i'm gonna rt that shit and then to see it go viral and see that to hear the blowback some
3: fun little highlights uh the indie artist perfume genius with a million followers said he was going to have me <laughs> executed oh my God. the guy that wrote that fantastic recent body swap freaky. Um, movie with vince vaughn mm. freaky retweeted it saying that he would say some extremely vulgar stuff to Corey stall if you ever saw him and i got the chance to tell him i
1: loved freaky wow. and he replied thanks exclamation <laughs> that's Mark. awesome fuck i didn't realize it like i remember you were telling me about it and you're like yeah all these bald people are trying to kill me you know, this <laughs> is kind of like well it's a day in the life of sean yeah. i guess <laughs> thank god i'll tell you these little people
2: behind the curtain on my life cameron james brought that up to he goes like Corey Stoll's fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say yeah, shit on Corey that, Stoll, I like man. Oh, man, that tweet rocks, dude. <laughs> Corey Stoll. <laughs>
0: oh, oh well,
3: okay. Uh,
1: how about it? Bodies hit the floor score, fellas. The
0: bodies hit the floor score. Huh? The bodies hit the floor
1: score. <laughs> Matrix 2, Bodies 2. <laughs> also, maybe Bodies 3, maybe. I don't know. I think all of my goodwill for this film is just because of how much I remember Mm. watching that fucking car chase over and over, how much I was just hyped by the Animatrix, and all the supplemental material. Mm. Uh, I definitely think... It's uh, cool. It's cool. (laughs) But I I don't know. We talked about this on The Matrix, where we were just Mm. kind of like... Oh, maybe this is the smartest dumb movie ever or the dumbest smart mm. movie ever. And I think that... The...
3: This one, this is the dumbest smart yeah,
1: movie ever. Yeah, I, th- I don't know. Yeah, I think... I... If The Matrix is the smartest dumb movie ever, this is the dumbest smart yeah, movie ever. Yeah. Um and look it it this is as good as it gets from here on out so <laughs> <laughs> i'm uh, i'm really uh, ready for the matrix revolutions the matrix film that barely takes place in the matrix <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah i look i revise i give it three bodies hitting the floor uh compared to the matrix 1 but uh it's obviously not as good It's... Who are you fucking kidding, man? It looks like a PlayStation 3 game far (laughs) off the film. (laughs) Oh, it really does. Uh, Mr. DVD, what have you got
2: for me, big dog? May I be reminded what the maximum bodies are? Uh, Five. I would give this... Five. I would truly give this four bodies. Sweet. I would give this four bodies because I think it... For me personally, like Basie said, it is like the entire experience of this movie. It's importance in... DVD culture, it's importance in my life. But I think as well, it is for me, that huge tastemaker in like, what do you do with a sequel? Yeah. And especially what do you do with a sequel where, ostensibly, you have three leads from that movie that exist in it, where, you know, no, a Rest in peace, Marcus Chong's character, because he <laughs> dies off screen. <laughs> um, I guess.
1: Sadly, we lost Marcus Chong's character <laughs> <Yeah>. in 2000. <laughs> yeah. Died on the yeah. way to his Man, home I planet. Think, like you know, we,
2: you, you know, you have to reinvent a lot of stuff and continue on this journey. I think that this is. While I would agree with most people, I do think that because of the way the culture uh, did not grasp onto the Matrix sequels. This is a bit of a failure, but I think it's the one of the most it's, interesting sequels of all time. Totally, especially because it is this weird, connective, thematic, heady sequel to what is one of the biggest blockbusters of all time. Yeah, to follow it up with something that's even weirder instead of getting more mainstreaming. Sure, yeah, it does there's nothing. I mean, I was gonna yeah. say there's nothing like that. Weirdly, we see quite a few things like that, yeah. um, but I would say that is the challenge. It's of it definitely for me. the first, and once again, I love all
1: the Marvel movies. I will, I watch anytime one's out. I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to watch it. Yeah, but they are literally the same. Where
2: it is all just yeah. ligament connecting muscle yeah. to a bone. Yeah, the same thing, same thing over again. Yeah. This is a weird movie that is, I uh, just, it's kind of one of a kind. Yeah. Even though there's three of them, this is one that's still (laughs) really one of a kind. Totally. What about you,
3: Shawnee? I'm going to give this uh, three bodies. However, Mm. there is a catch. I will be subtracting a single body from the score for a sequence that we did not touch on during this, but is extremely important to the lasting legacy of this film, which is upon entering Mm. Zion... Morpheus gives a grand speech and unleashes Bush stuff oh, yeah. culture <laughs> on a populace that were not ready for it and have never recovered from it since. The Zion rave scene is How weird is it fuck? that
2: we didn't talk about that? That is...
1: Let's touch on it very quickly.
2: Well, because we instantly all
3: blanked it from our memories because
1: it's yeah. the worst Bush stuff. I hate it. It's the worst sex scene, at least one of the <clears throat> very worst sex scenes ever. Like, it's... Gross. Yeah, I don't (laughs) like seeing their little. I think the the only sex scene worse than this. (laughs) I don't
2: like the powerpoints all over the bodies. That really freaks me out, and I still I hate the memory of seeing this in the cinema with my dad. Of like the the rave going on and me having to like him seeing me like unlock parts of the world that I didn't know existed (laughs) and stuff. I don't like that memory (laughs) up there with also seeing like you know Team America in the cinema and like laughing at the sex scene for pretty much the rest of the movie. And my dad knowing (laughs) that's why I'm still laughing.
3: (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, I'm gonna posit an idea to you guys: the only sex scene in a movie worse the neo and trinity pounding away to fucking infected mushroom <laughs> in the fucking zion is the sex scene from munich where wow. eric banner plows his wife while dreaming of the olympic athletes wow. being massacred by That's pretty i think you might be onto
2: something <laughs> i think you might be unlocking something here right now today god i know what movie i'm gonna watch with my dad next week <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, sick. Jeffrey Rush is in this. Put it on, Alexi. <laughs> <laughs> so we're giving it threes all around?
2: I'm in a four. Four? I'm
1: yeah. on a four. Because uh,
3: I've... Mine's kind of a two. You're a two and a half. And a four brings it up to
1: Pier Factory. After so Sean and I found out the Durst Computer had become sentient, it had given us a hot new algorithm to judge how new metal a movie is. This algorithm uses our painted. Bodies hit the floor score and times it by our trademark Fred Durst score. Once we have received peer review, we can say that the PF sum, short for Peer Factory, is the most scientifically way to determine how new metal a movie is. Well I mean <laughs> times this film, uh, let me just quickly crunch the numbers. So, Alexi, this this season we're trying to get a mathematical sum peer reviewed oh, wow. for uh, our official rating system.
0: <laughs> wow!
3: Yeah, we're not going onto YouTube. We're not making extra content. No, <laughs> wow. we're going into academia, baby, it. and we're going to get this into a journal,
1: baby, even if wow. it kills us. So, uh, as as always, I must retreat down into the lab to to feed this number to PF our uh, self. Aware computer who. <laughs> Just give me a minute, fellas. Uh... You know, there's been six <laughs> PFs beforehand, and this was all part of the plan. So, this film has a PF sum of, uh, of 19.5. <laughs> ah, off the charts. <laughs> Whatever that means. What is the Fred
3: Durst rating on this? Uh, How far is Fred I think Durst it's fair to say at this, this
1: point that if we're just going to talk about the D- Fred Durst number, it's just safe to assume it's two. Otherwise, I won't bring it up. If it, if it's like three or four or an anomaly, I will. I'll make note. But if anyone is listening. Uh to me talk about the Fred Durst number, just assume it's two. Just just, just save your save your time. Isn't that what they all call the Neo so and <laughs> the anomaly. Everything ties in together, man. What has happened uh now will happen again. Or before
3: speaking of happening again Alexi it's been a pleasure to have you on once more as a returning guest uh, I absolutely adored finding desperado I was uh, thinking earlier while I was getting lunch I was like ah. Oh. You know, I'm gonna tell Alexi how much of a step up and how much better I enjoyed it than finding Drago, and I'm like, that is the most backhanded compliment no, you could I ever give someone. That. But it really is like you guys were hitting so many fucking like highs. Wow. I was loving it. It was thank great. you so much,
2: surely. I appreciate that because uh, that's actually the opposite compliment that I received from my partner's mother. So when I hear it that way, I'm like, yeah, actually, from <laughs> oh, I no. like Drago yeah, Oh yeah. no, that's horrible. Yeah, yeah. So, I like to no! hear it that way. Um, but thank you so much. Um, my pleasure to be here again. Could I leave a little teaser for the next episode that you guys do? Uh, one thought that I have about the Matrix yes. revolutions that is just something that just bugs me is that when, tragically, the great character actress Gloria Foster, who plays the Oracle in Matrix 1 and 2, pass away in between the movies... And they have to recast, and they recast Mary Alice, who's another fantastic character actress, but it is very much the same type. She's an older African-American woman, and she gives very much a, a performance in the same tone for the Oracle. And in the, in the world of the films, the Oracle is rebirthed, and it's like this like Kundun shit of like hmm. a regeneration type thing or like Doctor Who, if you will. If, if, that's, if you know that more than <laughs> well, Kundun. If you're a Whovian. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a Whovian and <laughs> not a Kundun head like me. Um, <laughs> like that is like, that's to me the, a huge mistake from Wachowskis yeah. to just go same kind of person and same kind of performance. I was like, they should have gone fully out there and, like, you know, cast like a small Asian boy or something <laughs> like that and do like the exact opposite because I think that would show. Just like in Kundun. Yeah, do exactly. <laughs> go Kundun style on it. But to show, like, you know, what this is, that it's like a regeneration thing. It's like, it's just one of those things that when I rewatch these movies completely bugged me.
1: Yeah, we were talking. Uh, about the oracle being a bit of an uncomfortable stereotype maybe mm. 20 years later where it's yes. just so listen here dear i'm smoking this cigarette and baking cookies and i'm yeah. about to tell you something real yeah. truthful yeah in a way that only true true. elderly yeah. To cloud <laughs> Atlas. yeah but uh yeah thanks again alexi thank mm. you so much uh if you haven't listened to uh to finding desperado it's Fucking hilarious, but there is a real beautiful kind of melancholy
2: to it as well. Thank you. Um, it's awesome. That was actually unintentional. We uh, tried to make <laughs> it just all laughs, so that hurts me to say. Yeah, uh, but no. No, thank you, that's so nice of you to say. It's, 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 a, it's a
1: beautiful kind of story about just, you know, I guess nostalgia for childhood and mm. for the wonderment of kind of the excitement that film would give you as a kid. It's yeah. uh, And just making art for art's sake, it's really quite... Quite a quite a beautiful, oh, touching words. thing. <laughs> thank you so much.
2: You boys are giving me beautiful compliments. Thank you. Thank you. No uh, worries. We've got Toto Reboot coming back in a little while. We're trying to spice it up with the, this new year of the podcast and do some things a little bit differently, but we're still uh, basically taking a break after post-Finding uh, Desperado. We yeah. are unwinding, we are recharging <laughs> yeah, uh, to very come up with some new stuff. <laughs> so, uh, Total Reboot, probably back in February, I'd say.
1: Awesome, I can't wait, man. And the Total Reboot Patreon I love and the registered cine- Cinephiles registry mm. is... Very worth being a member of. Yeah, we just <laughs> did
2: a great app about uh, paying total respect to our doc, our favorite documentaries. Uh, oh, okay. So if you're a doc, awesome. go ahead. the episode we just put on the Patreon feed is uh, real fucking good. Fucking awesome, man!
3: I saw the the snippet of that. I think you put it on Twitter or Instagram, yeah. and I was all set to sign up to the the Patreon and uh, I saw it was called a cinephile registry. <laughs> Great pun. Uh, feel uncomfortable signing up <laughs> for <dude>. it. <laughs> Batesy's in there. So oh, he's, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's a registered cinephile. we got to
1: go door to door and tell everyone. Yeah, yeah Batesy was on it. Uh, <laughs> Batesy's already on the registry, And baby. I feel like this is as good a time as any for us to say, hey, we got a Patreon too, and if you guys love what you're hearing, you're going to love what's coming up next. Uh, what This month we're doing... Uh, a little series called Michael Sheen, the films of, wow. <laughs> which is about
3: Sheen Michaels wow. Entertainment,
1: the production
3: company put together by Brett Michaels of Poison and Rock of Love, and Charlie Sheen of Two and a Half Men and being an insane person. And uh,
1: top of that, I think last week we would have launched our very new, very cool, and very fantastic Queen of the Dam and Blade Two T-shirts. Wow! Uh, look. If, if if things have gone to our way which they always do they'll have been sold out by now so you missed the you missed the boat guys but stay tuned there'll be more cool hot new shirts coming ain't that right Shawnee
3: you know it baby extremely limited edition getting quick if they're not sold out already uh what are we gonna go out on
1: fellas uh, I figured maybe we should go out on that, the highway theme the Juno Reactor Mona Lisa Overdrive yes. song the pounding techno yes. thing yes let's play that oh it's It's so good. Thanks so much again, Alexi. And we'll see you
3: guys next week for the Matrix Revolutions.